Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. In the current economic climate, others might believe I was lucky to have a job. Not lucky, exactly. In my mind, you make your own luck with hard work and an eye for opportunity. While some used words like depressed and the worst outcome imaginable, With all my heart, I believed the change was whatever you made of it. Take my former colleague Dave. He had been a lawyer in the same firm as me before the melt-up went full-on meltdown. Stock markets evaporating, Hawaiian islands disappearing, bank accounts freezing. I'd heard that Dave now lived under Grafton Bridge, the wild green space in the centre of the city, and mutual acquaintances had told me that he considered himself lucky. To my mind, that was an impressive feat of thought control, and I could only hope that if the tables were turned, I too would retain such a positive perspective. It was November. Work had been busy through the winter and spring, despite the significant changes to the economy. Contracts still needed to be worded, typed, signed and witnessed. Lawsuits were still lodged against deep-pocket corporates who then went looking for talent comme moi. So I hadn't thought of Dave in recent months. Not until my client with the deepest pockets asked for urgent copies of a motion filed a few years before, when Dave had been their lead solicitor. I searched for the files only to find the requested documentation was missing, but I did find Dave's client care and charge seat attached. After a fit of mirth when I read his standard hourly rate, I realised how alone I was in the office. The meeting room chairs, cold and empty... Desks, no longer desks without their computer screens lit up or discarded takeaway coffee cups. Just tables now. No secretaries to tease about their tardiness, no juniors there to hear me vent my displeasure, no peer with whom I could engage in a passive aggressive tete a tete. So I ventured down the valley to see Dave. He was the only person who might know where these essential documents might be now. It was not a trip I anticipated with much enthusiasm. But alongside the mission for the lost files, I felt compelled to visit, if only to quell my curiosity. What on earth could be going on with this man, substandard lawyer though he might have been? The walk from the road down to the gully was strenuous, even in the dawn's cool air. The path was overgrown with all manner of spiky and frond-like greenery. And once I journeyed far enough into the growth, the lights from the city were obsolete. My cell phone had a torch app built in, and it was necessary to use this and keep my focus so I didn't trip over. Hard to believe that my office was not far from here, in one of the high-rise buildings built alongside the gully. The sterile city felt far away when I was navigating untamed wilderness. 
I arrived bearing gifts. Although I might not be generous in the truest altruistic sense, turning up to a homeless commune with nothing to give seemed a touch rude, especially when one considered the circumstances of his life and mine. My gifts were simple, but I thought they'd be welcome. A thermos of chicken and noodle soup and shortbread biscuits. I hoped the biscuits would be buttery enough to encourage Dave to give me the answers to my questions. Dave saw me within moments of my arrival and approached with speed. He didn't shake my hand. There seemed to be no time for formalities. He snatched the gifts from me and held them close to his chest. I didn't remember him being so territorial in the office environment with anything, edible or otherwise. How's life, Dave? I asked, nervous that I would attract attention. I kept my eyes on my former colleague. I felt the bristling movement of the other people who lived down there. Could be worse, he said. Could be much worse. Pretty lucky, all things considered. He didn't stop speaking to eat. I counted six shortbreads stuffed in his mouth with no pause for breath. His digestive system would be in turmoil from all that unrefined sugar. I didn't want to be there when he needed to sort that out. I couldn't see any facilities around, not even one roll of toilet paper. Crumbs fell from his lips and stuck to his shirt. If I didn't have a spot under here, he said, I'd be living in the park. It's way too exposed up there. My survival reliant on scoring some appropriate dumped goods for a decent shelter. Although up there they are closer to the refuse station, not down here in the deep next to the stream, but at least under the bridge you can get away with a lesser shelter. That is all due to the bridge, our almighty bridge, providing the basis for the necessary protection from malignant weather patterns. I could see how this would be beneficial. The global carbon cutting measures had been too little, too late, and with increasing temperature extremes and rainfall figures, our part of the world seemed to be bearing the brunt of the melted ice caps. Wind-related accident compensation claims were through the roof, according to the government-sanctioned online news source. I looked up to the bridge, and the buildings of the central business district loomed above me. The line between urban community and the natural world of the woods blurring with indistinction now that there were no landscape gardeners contracted to maintain the growth. About 50 people were living with Dave under the bridge. It was tricky to enact a perfect headcount. They were walking around, covered in blanket ponchos the colour of rotting leaves. I could not be sure who was who, and who was indeed not a who, but more, to be accurate, a what. They all appeared to be living in dry conditions and looked infection-free. I saw no festering wounds, smelt no trace of gastrointestinal discharge. I could not claim they were healthy in all measurable ways. For instance, I am sure they did not brush and floss twice a day, as is recommended. But there was no hollering or hacking coughs, no lethargic persons rolling in their blankets in the daylight hours. Their sleeping arrangements were structures of cardboard propped up with incomplete sets of encyclopedia, red spines with glinting gold lettering, or enclosures made from abandoned furniture, upturned desks without their drawers creating the illusion of a four-poster bed, Set up all around were bent and broken drying racks, folded down like wizened skeletons, threadbare clothes hanging on them. Curious strands of plants wound around the crooked frames. A few of the drying racks had fallen to their knees, crumbling under the weight of these advancing creepers. That looks like an invasive pest, that plant, I said to Dave, indicating one of the vines. Here, 
Under the bridge, Dave said, ignoring me with the practice skill of the barrister. We have golden scavenging opportunities on the odd occasion. People driving their Hyundai, Toyota or Mercedes across Grafton Bridge throw their refuse out the window. Voila! Straight down into our community. We can thank whoever had the bright idea to remove the suicide prevention shields. Throwing yourself or your material belongings over the bridge has never been so easy. I wondered if any of my unwanted belongings were now forming an integral part of a homeless person's shuttles, fiercely guarded. A month earlier I'd thrown a running shoe out of the car window, the sole worn through and flapping loose. I looked around Dave's new habitat, certain the shoe would be sitting up on someone's makeshift home. It was nowhere to be seen. I slipped off my Rolex and secreted it in my pocket. It was not my favourite watch, nor my most valuable, but I didn't feel the urge to share. Often it's half-eaten food, said Dave. Other times, soiled underpants. These undergarments were, he told me, in hot demand, despite the pre-existing skids. Having more pants to rotate was the ultimate luxury for those without a washing machine. I could not empathise with this need for used clothing. I often had trouble wearing my own clothes a second time. The day before, Dave said, someone threw down a broken umbrella. The battle for this umbrella turned into an aggressive tug-of-war between myself and our community's token elderly member. Dave lifted his shirt sleeve to show me bloodied stripes down his bicep. She clawed me like a tigress. It was impressive to see her passion. But in the end, I was victorious. The old rules vis-a-vis male versus female fighting don't apply down here. So I clocked her in the face and then gave her another jab right in the saggy tit. The umbrella was in good condition, requiring only a simple fix. Now it's a welcome addition to my shelter. I didn't reply. I looked at Dave's fist, imagined it punching an old woman in the breast. It seemed a cruel and beastly way to act when in the world there might be young breast waiting to be cupped with that same unfisted hand. Dave turned to admire his umbrella. It was a large silver golf size, the ferrule long and from this distance, knife sharp. The canopy had slipped from the tip in a few places. I wasn't sure if it would provide privacy or protection against sunlight and rain. I couldn't imagine why he'd risk injury for that piece of junk. We don't, as a rule, have rules around here, said Dave, rubbing his bicep before pulling his shirt sleeve down again. But there is a sort of underlying hierarchy that keeps us going. Gives the community some structure. Though I'm afraid it's a very fragile structure. House of cards in many ways. Mutiny against the status quo is an ongoing concern of mine. Dave, I said. I looked at the grime and considered his scratched arm. I was afraid it would be infected before the sunset. Most doctors had shut tight their prescription pads after the antibiotic-resistant bacteria closed the hospitals. And, even if Dave could have paid for a course of medication, I didn't have the right contacts in the black market medical fraternity to get a hold of it. That was a relationship I was considering cultivating, but, like all good things, it would take time. Come home with me, I said, surprising myself with the offer. Have a shower, clean your clothes, I bake muffins, you could take one. I said this in a very, very quiet voice. I did not want any other of the residents of this cesspit hearing my words as an open invitation. I could spare a muffin, which were in truth store-bought, but I could pass them off as homemade. And a shower's worth of power was but a blip on my electricity bill. 
After all, he was possibly a friend. He was, in all probability, my only friend. Friend or no, there was no safe way to tell him I had a spare bedroom with an ensuite and that I also had a fridge full of food that went down one gullet. Mine. It might seem grotesque to him. He was living in squalor, scraping through the day with whatever was discarded from the vehicles above. He couldn't have failed to miss the Rolex now bulging in my pocket. The man had a nose, and I smelt of woody amber eau de parfum. Hell, I even had a spare umbrella. It was one of those expensive ones, the kind the saleswoman said would blow away in the wind before it would break. If he came home with me for the afternoon, I'd let him keep it. If I'd known umbrellas were such hot property, I would have brought it down for him with a shortbread. Then I remembered who I was. The man who made it happen. Dave hadn't made it happen. And look where he was. He might know where those documents were, but he didn't have Ockintosh and Three Woods single malt scotch to drink when the sun went down. Unless you're extending an offer of long-term hospitality, Dave said, I can't accept. If I return here clean, smelling of body wash products and baked goods, I am, in essence, clearing the slate and beginning again. I've fought hard for my ranking here, and my place at the top is not guaranteed. Dirtiness and smelliness are the currency here, along with brute force, of course, and, like everywhere, the person with the most currency is the one wielding the power. I was breathing through my mouth to refrain from smelling Dave's wretched body odour. To indicate agreement, I nodded and released a laboured exhale. I can't offer long term, you know that, I said. I was repulsed at the idea of sharing my home with someone who could not contribute in a financial capacity. What sort of person would do that? I wasn't some sort of charity. I can't bring another mouth into my home that needs nutritional support. That's why I got the vasectomy, remember? The operation had been a long time ago, when Dave wore a suit and tie, and his hair swayed in the breeze, fluffy with conditioner. Now his hair stood stiff and alert, caked with what appeared to be excrement and spaghetti sauce. Dave, I do have a favour to ask. It's a work thing, just a simple question. The Trent files, where would I find them? Dave didn't reply. My heartbeat began to flicker. It may have even skipped a beat. I worried he was about to get into a lengthy diatribe about he was only living down here because I'd faked my client appraisals, so when the firm imploded, I would be the lawyer to retain the one available job. I braced myself for a searing recollections of my sloppy work ethic, my deceitful dealings with members of staff, my creative control of the firm's finances, all accusations lacking compelling evidence. He was glaring at me, and I braced for the outburst. Nothing. I had to ask again. It was essential. If I lost the files, then I would lose the client. Dave, the files, where are they? If you could provide me with the answer, I will return with more gifts. Clothes, books, sanitary items, anything. It was humiliating I had been reduced to begging Dave for help, a man who lived under a bridge. He still said nothing, but now lifted his arm. It was an instinct that led me to cover my chest in case of a punch to the pectoral area. But then he was distracted by some debris tossed by a passing motorist. He was transfixed and didn't say a word when I repeated my query about the Trent files one last time. It was irritating. I became invisible to him at the moment material goods came into the equation. This man had no focus. He could no longer concentrate on real-life matters. Legal documents? 
What was more pressing, more urgent than these? I decided to leave without saying goodbye. I was relieved that there had been no spite in our reunion, no recrimination. I had passed on my gifts, listened to his thoughts, and now I could retreat with honour. But not, alas, with any idea where to find the missing documents. I was the one who made it happen. And I would continue to make it happen, no matter the consequences. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 